Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. problems with Christian dating. We've looked Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1 and 2, that dating is a concept created by the world and we need not to think and act like they do. Amen. And uh, we began to notice two questions about the concept of dating. And again, I'll make this statement and I want this to stay with you because uh, even as I have uh, discussed with some of our members uh, during this last month about this subject, uh, I've, I've even heard some comments about uh, dating right, and it seems like um, when I hear that from y'all, it seems like I might not have communicated well enough, amen, uh, because I'm not talking about dating right. You cannot date right because dating is created by the world, amen. That's amen. like having Christian adultery or Christian fornication. It's not going to happen, amen. It's, if it's worldly in nature, you cannot Christianize it and say that it's okay, amen. And so we looked at this, uh, these problems with Christian dating, what most pulpits in our country today are peddling as the way to get to the marriage altar, and there are several problems that we've been noticing uh, in the scriptures with that. Amen. Uh, there's, you don't need to hunt and seek and find a mate. You need uh, God's will. Amen. So these two questions, what is the purpose of dating? Proverbs 18.22 the ultimate goal is to get to the marriage altar. And then what are the problems with dating? We've seen the spiritual problems with dating. In Psalms 119.105, dating is a failure to apply biblical principles to everyday life. And then Psalm 1.1 and Exodus 23.2, dating is following the example of the world. And so that's the spiritual problems with dating. And then we looked at the scriptural problems with dating. That dating violates the principle of singleness. Genesis 1 through 3, God created one man for one woman for one lifetime. It violates the principle of security. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7 uh, calls the, the wife, and not, by the way, not a girlfriend, but a wife. The weaker vessel talks about the lady being uh, precious as fine china, and it is, it is our job uh, through our relationships to secure one another. It violates the principle of singleness, security, violates the principle of siblings. First Timothy chapter 5, verse number 1 and 2 says that here in the house of God, which is the way the world says you ought to find a mate if you're going to do it Christian, find somebody that goes to church that loves the Lord and date them and figure out whether or not you're compatible. But the Bible says in the house of God, 1 Timothy chapter number 5, you are to treat those older than you as fathers and mothers, those younger than you as brothers and sisters. And so the dating game is not uh, following that example. Amen. And then the last time we were in this passage of Scripture, we looked at how, or in this uh, study rather, we noticed how uh, dating violates the principle of sincerity and how the Bible over and over again uses the word defraud about Keep or saying uh, that you're going to give them something, promising something that you cannot guarantee. When you enter into the dating game, you're not promising marriage. You cannot promise marriage, amen. But when you find the will of God, you can, amen. And uh, so it violates sincerity. That's 2 Corinthians 7 2, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 5, 1 Thessalonians 4 6, Proverbs 4 23. 
and Romans 13, 14. All right. Go with me, please, to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 3. If you're there, I'm going to invite you to read along with me this morning. Follow along in your Bible. Won't have you stand as our custom usually is, but 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 3. I want to say this this morning, and we'll go, this is the fifth thought uh, that we've been giving in this study, that dating violates what I'm calling the principle of sanctification. Look in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. The Bible says, For this is the will of God. Now, is that not what you should be looking for when you're looking for a man? Amen. Young people, you don't need what your emotions say. You don't need what your hormones say. You don't need what your thoughts say. You need the will of God. Amen. And if you're looking for the will of God, there's a few places in the Bible that just plainly states that this is the will of God for your life. Amen. And so you need to make notes of those. You need to put those in your heart. Amen. And you need to apply them. So the Bible says, verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So the will of God is that every believer live a sanctified life. Even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every Look at this principle here, verse number 4. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. The vessel here is speaking about your body. Your body is to be pure. Your body is to be clean. God requires sanctification from His people. Amen. He says that you ought to know how to possess your vessel, your body in sanctification and honor too. Violate sanctification is to not only dishonor God, not only dishonor the principles of the Word of God, not only disrupt dishonor God's will for your life. But this verse says in verse number 4 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that you're even dishonoring your own body by doing so. Amen. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth that you are sinning against your own body. Amen. And that is any degree of fornication. Amen. And so we see that there in these verses. Amen. Now go with me please to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. We were here last week making another thought out of these verses. Uh, but I want us to see this again today. And I'm going to hurry through this one. And the reason is, is because this is very plain. Even those that believe in what they call Christian dating will say the same thing that I'm saying to you this morning. I want to get to a few other things so we will see this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 says that you ought to live a sanctified life, possessing your body, possessing your vessel with sanctification and honor. And by the way, in that passage, it's, it's, dealing, with the, it's dealing with your will. You need to know how to do so and be willing to do so. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 7 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And if you knew what, uh, if you study your Bible and you study the book of 1 Corinthians and you think about the things that he has previously dealt with in the, pre uh, the preceding six chapters of this book, you will realize that the fact that they saw what was going on in their church and they reported those things back to Paul, he said that I am this next statement that I'm making, the statement where he says it is good for a man not to touch a woman, that is pastoral counsel from receiving letters from them. I 
about things going on in their church. And I'm telling you right now, I would hate to have to stand up in this pulpit and preach a message like that because it was not only being committed in our congregation, but was being ignored by the leadership and was just being swept underneath the rug and nobody was willing to deal with it. And I'm glad to report to you today that when we see this verse here, the Apostle Paul being a real man of God and being the man of God that he was, he said, they may sweep it under the rug in the church of Corinth, but he said, I'm going to blow it out the water every chance I get. Amen. And I thank God for that. Amen. And I'm going to make you this promise. If I see anything that's along the lines of sinful, and it's sinful, I'm going to blow it out of the water every chance I get. Amen. Because I'd rather our church be holy, I'd rather our church be right with God uh, than for you to be pleased with me every day of the week. Amen. I'd rather you get offended at me for preaching the Word of God than for God's hand to be removed off of our congregation uh, because of impurity in our church. Amen. So he, and I, I'm telling you, that, that just boggles my mind, Brother Tommy, that he is saying, I'm writing this in direct response to something going on in the house of God. And Paul, as a good pastor, deals with it. But I can imagine his heart as he is having to deal with it, seeing this church of Corinth, which, by the way, is the most carnal church that Paul ever had to deal with in the New Testament. He gives this principle of, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Even the simplest of touches can cause you to, he said, it's good for you not to do so. So in other words, if you do so, then it's not good. Amen. Amen. And the results thereof will not be good. Amen. And I've said it before, but when you do things like that, and the dating game encourages that by the way this world looks at it, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to violate these principles of sanctification. And you may think that it's innocent. You, and and I, I'm telling you, I've been in churches where young men in congregations would even put their arm, just rest their arm on the back of the seat with the girlfriend that they had with them. And I'm telling you, you're, you're playing with fire. Young men, you're playing with fire to do that. Young ladies, if you itch just a touch closer uh, to that boy, you are, you're playing with fire. You're going to hurt yourself. God said in His Word, it is not good. Amen. Amen. He said it's not good for you to do that. And if you're saved by the grace of God, you should want God to smile on your life. You should want God to be pleased with your life. You should want to do that which is good and acceptable in His sight. If you remember Romans chapter 12, we looked at that verse that said that He wants us to not be conformed to the world uh, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. So the principle here is do not touch. Do not uh, go against the principle of sanctification. Look with me at 2 Timothy this morning and we'll read this verse and then we'll move on to the next thought and I'm sure many of you are saying amen to that this morning. First, or 2 Timothy chapter number 2 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 22. <clears throat> I, I thank God. We'll look at verse number 20. Uh, verse number 21. Uh, just because it goes along the lines of what uh, 1 Thessalonians, what Paul uh, mentioned to the church of Thessalonica as he was talking about uh, taking your vessel and using it and keeping it in sanctification and honor. Verse 21, he says, If a man therefore, this is 2 Timothy 2, verse 21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, 
And he's talk, he talks about some sins earlier in the chapter. If a man purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel. There's that word that he used at the church of Thessalonica. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet. The word meet there means fitting or appropriate. Meet for the master's use. And he says, and prepared unto every good work. And then he says in verse 22, flee also youthful lust, uh, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He says here that there's something to be said about sanctification. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 3 through 5 that you are to know how to possess your body unto sanctification and honor. 1 Corinthians 7 1 says that part of that, uh, part of possessing your vessel in sanctification is not touching and realizing that that's not good. But then here he told uh, Timothy in the very last book that Paul ever penned, he said here that you are to, uh, you are to follow after sanctification so that you can be meat for the master's use. Can I just say this, and I know it's a bold statement this morning, but unless you're pure, God cannot use you. Unless you're willing to follow after sanctification, God will not use you. This verse teaches us that God will not use a dirty vessel. And I'm not talking about your past. I'm talking about you today. If you'll let God deal with your past, He will, he will forgive your sin. He will wash it away in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're lost, He'll do that. Wash every sin you've ever committed away. If you're saved, He'll come in here today if you'll confess your sins and be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If you've sinned in the past, you've messed up in the past, God will deal with you right where you are if you'll come to Him in repentance and asking Him to forgive you uh, from that sin. Amen. But God wants to deal with you where you are and God wants you to clean your life up so you can be meek for the Master's use and he can use you to do great things for him. Amen. And he says you'll be prepared unto every good work. Don't even talk about doing good things until you do so out of a pure heart. God says here, unless you're clean, you're not prepared to do a work for God. But if you'll get clean and you'll ask God to clean you and you'll settle in your heart that I want to live a holy life that's acceptable to God in every relationship that I have, whether it be a romantic relationship or not, every relationship that I have, everything that I do, every breath that God gives me, I want to live holy, I want to be meek for the Master's use, I want to be prepared for God to do a great work in my life. And he says in order to do so, you must flee after youthful lust and follow righteousness, amen, pursue righteousness, pursue a clean life, pursue a life of faith, amen, uh, pursue a, a, chair, a life full of charity, godly love, uh, pursue a life of peace with them that call on the Lord, and he says, out of a pure heart, highlighting purity once again. So I hope you see that uh, this dating game as the world sees it and as you, even in Christian dating, there's still a temptation to violate this principle of sanctification. Amen. Notice this, number six, in this study, and I've mentioned this, I'll breeze by this one. The term will be pleased to Genesis chapter number two. This is one of them things that as we started that first week and I, I gave that, I guess what you'd call a lengthy introduction, I just kind of summarized several things and 
and uh, never really got to the outline. But this is one of the things that I touched uh, during that first class, and I, I mentioned it and I moved on, um, but I, I want us to see it. I, we didn't take our eyes and put our eyes there uh, in that first class. I want us to put our eyes on it. Amen. I don't want to preach anything to you without allowing you to have the opportunity to lay your eyes on the verses to be like those uh, those in uh, those in Thessalonica who or those in Berea rather who searched the scriptures were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures to see if those things were so. Amen. As I preach. I don't want you, and as I teach, I don't want you just to take my word for it. Amen. 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 I want you to search the Scriptures. I want yeah. you to put your eyes on it. Yeah. Amen. That's why we turn to different passages of Scripture, because I want you to see. And I, if I'm saying something false and you don't turn to it, you'll not know as quickly. If you're not taking notes and you're not determining, if you're not turning as I'm preaching, you're not taking it down and looking at it at home, you'll never know if I'm telling you a falsehood. Amen. Amen. And I believe that's why some churches are, are full this morning and they're not hearing any of the preached Word of God. They're not hearing what thus saith the Lord because nobody opens their Bibles anymore in our churches in many, many cases. Nobody opens their Bible. Nobody studies the Scriptures. And everybody expects to be fed from the words of a preacher. And the words of a preacher, and, and, I, and I include myself in that, has not, I, the, my words have nothing to offer you this morning. Amen. And I, I feel like even though there's much uh, spiritual warfare in what God has called me to do, it's really not, it's really not a hard job. All we have to do is look at the Bible, see what it says, and tell you what it says, and then the Holy Ghost of God does the rest. Amen. Yes, Amen. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 21. Let's look at this together. We'll read this. I'll make a statement, and then we'll move on. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 21. The Bible says, and, and I'll be honest with you young people, this, out of all of these principles, when God showed me these things and God used other men of God to compile these things and put these before me as a young person, as a, well, a younger person, amen, as God showed me these things, this one was the one that changed my thinking. And I've mentioned it to you, but I'll, I'll mention it briefly, but this got my mind to thinking, hey, well, everything I've heard about Christian dating and how to get to the marriage altar violates the Word of God. And then the other things supplement this. But I want us to see this. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 21. By the way, this is the very first marriage in your Bible. Amen. The marriage between Adam and Eve. And you know, I've mentioned here before uh, that there's always something to be said. It's called the principle of first mention, the law of first mention. There's always something to be said about the very first occurrence of something in the Word of God. If you want to know how to get to the marriage altar, uh, chances are the best place to look is for the very first marriage that was ever put together. And guess what? God's the one that did the ceremony. Amen. Amen. God put it together. Amen. And by the way, guess what? Every marriage that has ever been in the will of God, God has done exactly the same thing. Yeah, he may not have taken a rib out of the man and created a wife handmade uh, from, uh, made from the earth for him, uh, for you, amen. Yours was already created. Yours was already born in the world. But God did the work of bringing you together. Notice this. The Bible says, verse 21, Genesis chapter 2, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her, notice that phrase, I have it underlined in red in my Bible, and brought her unto the man. 
The Bible says that, uh, that God in verse 18 promised uh, Adam after he said it is not good that man should be alone. God promised that he would make him and help meet for him a help that was fitting for him. In other words, a, a help that was handcrafted for him to fill the gaps of his life, to fill the gaps of his personality to fill the gaps of his physical abilities uh, to make out of uh, make one man that was flawed uh, make them into a one flesh team uh, that God could use and they would feel they would fill uh, the voids that each other had and Amen. He said, "I'm going to make you a help, Adam, because you need one." Amen, lady. Say Amen there. I'm going to make you a help, Amen, that is fitting, that is meat for you. And he said, "I'm doing so." Verse number twenty one and 22 by the way that I designed and he said I'm handcrafting her for you and then the Bible said that Adam was asleep during this entire process and God brought her to Adam and when Adam awoke, when Adam awoke from his sleep he had a bride That's right. that God had brought for him and I promise you this, and I know that I know Adam and Eve were the first man and the first woman, but God created one. I said this earlier on in the study. God created one man for one woman for one lifetime. God created Adam with one wife that was meant for him. By the way, did not create four or five uh, women and give Adam the choice as to which one he wanted, but God brought one to Adam. And I would tell you this morning that not only does dating violate that principle that we looked at uh, earlier this morning on sanctification, but it violates what I'm calling the sleeping principle of God's Word. I believe that every young person, when it comes to finding a mate, ought to go to sleep. Amen. Amen. Because when Adam let God put him into a deep sleep, Amen. Not a light slumber where you're going to be uh, you're going to be asleep today, and then that girl walks by, young man, you're going to be aroused to look around and see. I wonder if that's the one, and then go back to sleep. Amen. God doesn't need your help in His decision. God does not need you to look and to seek and to find one that is fitting to you. And by the way, if she pleases you, chances are she might not be God's will. Amen. I'm not talking about physically. Amen. You know why? Because my flesh is corrupt. The Bible says that my thoughts and who I am, the Bible says my heart is deceitful. Jeremiah said, above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Amen. Do, young people, you listen to me this morning, do not follow your heart. Do not follow your heart. One of, one of the greatest lies that has ever been given to our young people, there's two of them I can think of in my mind, probably the biggest one is follow your heart, and then number two is you can be anything you dream to be. Our parents are shoveling those things down the throats of our children, and neither one of them are scriptural. Because you're not, let, let me deal with that second one that kind of made y'all some of y'all nervous, amen, this morning. You're, you're not supposed to tell your kids, you can be anything you want to be. You should tell them you should be everything that God wants you to be. It's not up for our decision. I'm not going to mold my son into what I want him to be. I ought to teach him and live in front of him an example that will cause him to see a man that loves God who wants to be everything that God wants him to be. And in looking at his daddy and looking at his mama, he ought to desire God's best for his life as well. Amen. 
Amen. Don't teach them you be whatever you want to be. No, your child may grow up and want to be a homosexual. Your child may grow up and want to be a bartender. Amen. Your child may grow up and want to live in sin because sin is a place appealing to the flesh and you have not to tell your, ch your child you do what you want to do and be who you want to be. I understand what many parents mean by that, but the thing is, is we ought to run our mouth by the Word of God before we teach lessons to our children. Amen. Amen. But here, do not tell them, do not tell them, Tell your, tell your young people uh, that the choice is up to them. Do not tell them uh, that, that here uh, that they can just go out and date whoever they want to. And, and, and here, the Bible says here that they need to go to sleep. Amen. Amen. Notice this. In this passage, these two verses, Adam was not looking for a wife, but God brought her to him. He went to sleep to the idea of having a wife because God had given him a promise first. Adam was able to pillow his head on a promise. He said, I will make a help meet for you. I've got someone handcrafted for you. And if you'll just do what I say and follow me, uh, God will brought that woman to Adam in his time according to his plan. And guess what? And we'll deal with this in, in maybe in a minute, maybe next week we'll see. Uh, but there is this idea that by, dating violates the principle of sureness as well. Because dating is, I'm doing this because I'm not too sure. I'm going with this one and then this one and then this one because I'm not sure. And I'm trying to figure out where, where my compatibility lies. Where, uh, where uh, I can find someone that I think I can be with uh, forever. But in this, there's no, there's, no, there's no denying of how sure Adam could be. I understand there's these are the first couple on the planet, first marriage. I understand that. But if God handcrafted that woman for him, and then he wakes up and she's standing there, and God says, This is your wife. Amen. By the way, the Bible does the Bible does not say that God gave her the name Eve. The Bible said Adam did. Because she was the mother of all the living. She wasn't even called Eve until after she became a mother. Here she's called woman. One man. That's what Adam was. One man. One woman. One lifetime. She was called woman here in, in verse number 23. After God made her a wife. The Bible said she shall be called woman. Verse 23. Because she was brought out of the man. Her name is forever attached to the man that God created her to be with. And by the way, and I'm not a chauvinist and I'm not trying to demean any of our ladies. But God created a lady to always be attached to a man. That's right. I'm not saying that you're not good enough. And I've, I've met some very talented ladies. But God's will for a lady is to be a, be a, be a wife and a mom. I taught y'all that in the book, of, the book of Titus not too long ago. That is a natural response to the creative design of God in the hearts of a woman. And the reason why we know that is because the very name woman means because she was taken out of man. Her purpose in creation, and this is just the Bible. I hope I'm not making you mad this morning. This is just, just the Word of God. A woman's purpose was to be a help for man. Because God knew. God knew that man was not good on his own. But he needed some help 
And I and you can take you, we can take that as a joke and be funny with it, or the the, the the truth of the matter is, is man did need help. Yes, sir. It's not good. Men, if you've ever been alone, you know it's not good for men to be alone. Amen. 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 It's not good. Brother Tommy, you were talking about uh, after your first marriage went the way that it did, and she left you and the kids about those years before you found Miss Wendy, you being alone. Had the hardest time of his life having to go to bed every night by himself. And knowing a wife, having a wife, and then that wife departing. It's not good for man to be alone. Amen. And I thank God for those who have had to bear the cross of being alone. I thank God for men like Dr. Percy Ray who fasted from having a wife because of God's leadership in his life. His entire life, over 60 years of life, he was, he was always alone. He thanked God he had the Lord, amen, but he never had a wife. He lived his entire life never knowing a woman, never uh, never, never, uh, never having a wife in, in, in any kind of a way, and uh, lived alone, pastored his church alone. And you can have whatever your opinions is on that, but I'll tell you this, whatever your opinion is on that, uh, I know Percy Ray had God's touch on his life, amen. And I, and I believe with all of my heart, I believe with all of my heart, and I, and I mean this, and don't take this the wrong way, but I believe part of Brother Ray's power became, came from a fasting in his life that was much more powerful than food. Sure, sure. And you men know what I'm talking about when I say that. He was alone his entire life. He fasted from the idea of having a wife and having a companion his entire life. And his only companion in this world, he had friends, and thank God for that, but his only heartfelt companion that could give him the intimate desires of his heart was his Lord and Savior. And I believe God's power touched his life because of that. Amen. But we see it's not good for man to be alone. And so that, so that you and I, as young people, ought to choose to uh, follow this principle. And God brought me my wife when I heard this truth. God gave me this truth. God brought this into my life. And I said, you know what? I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to look for a wife. I'm going to serve God to the best of my ability. Adam was serving God before, before Eve came along, before God brought woman into his life. And guess what? God still, I mean, Adam still served God in that garden after Eve came along and before the fall. Amen. You and I ought to determine whether or not we ever get, God ever gives us a spouse and before He ever gives us a love and a life to enjoy, as Peter said, the grace, the, the heirs together of the grace of life. If God does that, I'm going to serve God every day of my life. If He does do that, I'll serve Him. If He doesn't do that, I, I'll serve Him. And if you do, don't be, do, do, not, do not be surprised when God, as He puts you to sleep, when He allows you to wake up again, your wife will be there. By the way, there'll be no doubt that that's God's will for your life. As Adam woke up and that one woman was there, there was no doubt that this is the woman for me. This was who was created for me. It was the only choice that God had given him. And what God wants for your life is not for you to look around and hunt and, and doubt and, 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 be, and be trying to work the field, if you will, on your own, but rather just go to sleep, serve God, do what God would have you to do. Don't look around, don't seek. Amen. You just turn it over to God and let God put you to sleep. Use, use you beyond belief. Uh, you give your best to Him. And then as He allows you to wake up, you'll realize when it's His timing that it's your that it's God's will for you to be with that wife, for you to be with that husband. And that is when and how you get to the marriage altar biblically. Amen. Amen. Adam didn't have his choice. 
He just let God pick for him and enjoy the blessings of life because of it. Amen. And I know we can say, well, it's Eve's fault that they that we're all in our sinful state today. Amen. Uh, and I understand we can say that. But you read the story of Adam and Eve and how even in great sin and they're and, and they're 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 the the fault that they, they are the uh, the very first sinners in our Bible. But look as you turn the page and you see God slaying that animal, shedding blood, putting on the coats of skin, uh, forgiving them by the blood. And what a great picture that is. And you think about this, God even talked about Adam later on in the New Testament and said that Adam was the first Adam and Jesus Christ was the last Adam. Even in great sin, because uh, it, because he gave God his best and he gave God his life, he is one of the very few, if not the only thing in the Word of God that is said to be, it clearly said in uh, the scriptural record, to be a type of Christ. He said, if you see Adam, you look at the characteristics of Adam, you'll see characteristics of Jesus. And I believe, I believe a lot of that is because he followed the will of God when it came to him going to sleep. Amen. Let me, uh, let me give you this last one that kind of goes along uh, with what I said in, in, uh, in Genesis 2. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 27. I'm sure many of you are saying, man, 1 Corinthians 7 again. I told you all last week, 1 Corinthians 7, the entire chapter is about marriage. Amen. And uh, so we're going to be talking about dating and the principles against dating and how the Bible is for marriage. The world's not for marriage. Politicians uh, are not for uh, biblical marriage nowadays. Amen. The news media is not for uh, biblical marriage. But I can tell you this, God still is. Amen. He's given us many principles in the Word of God for it. Now I want to say this. Not only does it dating, uh, whether you use the world's philosophy or what many churches are saying is God's will for dating. Uh, it violates the principle of sanctification because you're tempting yourself uh, to disobey sanctification verses, holiness verses in the Bible. And there's, I gave you three. There's many more that we could use. It violates the principle of sleeping. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 21. And then we'll see this. It violates the principle of seeking. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 27. The Bible says these words... Art thou bound? Now he's dealing with much here in the passage, but we'll look at just these verses. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loose. Amen. And the world today is marrying folks and then seeking of their own will to be uh, loose from a wife. And uh, the Bible said that's not God's will. And by the way, uh, and I understand that happens and there's things that are out of our control. Uh, you know, you have spouses that just leave and depart and the Bible gives... Uh, different principles concerning that as well. But the Bible says, if you're bound unto a wife, seek not to be loosed. And that is why God's burdened me to take this time to teach these lessons because there will be a day that if you don't follow these principles, you may get bound through holy matrimony to a spouse and your life, because you missed God's will, will be in such turmoil that your heart and your mind may want to be loosed. The Bible says here that if you're bound unto your wife, you need to seek not to be loosed. Then he said, art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. All of you young people in here today, uh, you're not married. 
The Bible says if you're not married, you're not bound if you're loosed from a wife. And I know there can be applications to divorce in here, but I'm talking about right now, you are free from the, from the if you want to call it bond, and the bonds of marriage, and I'm not talking about that in a negative way. Thank God for being married. It's been one of the greatest joys of my life outside of salvation. But he says if you're not bound to a wife, if you're loosed from one, he said seek not a wife. And that, that goes along with that sleeping principle in Genesis 2. He said, don't seek for one. Notice what he says here. He says, seek not a wife. In verse 28, thank God for this. But if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such uh, shall have uh, trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. So he's talking here about marriage. And he's talking uh, about uh, Getting married the right way. He's giving principles. If you are married, seek not to be loosed. If you're not married, seek not to be married. Amen. And so we see that principle that we're not to be the ones seeking. Amen. And by the way, I've said this and said this and said this. I hope it's in your mind. Seeking is the defining characteristic of what dating is. Without the seeking nature of dating, there would be no dating. It would be God's will. Amen. It would be you following the Lord. Either that or you're just deciding you want to be you know, alone and unmarried your entire life. And the Bible does not say that's a bad thing. The Bible says that's a great thing. If that's God's will for your life, that's what you want to do. Have, have, you have every right in the world to do that. But if you take the seeking nature out of dating, you are either just wanting to be alone. Amen. Or you're doing it God's way. So we see that there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 27 tells us what we should not be seeking. We should not be seeking a wife. Now look with me at Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 33. 1 Corinthians 7 27 says, tells us what we should not be seeking. But then Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 33 tells us what we should be seeking. Young people, why is it that right now God does not want you to be on the hunt for a wife? Because God wants you to be on a hunt for something else. Amen. God wants you to be seeking something else with every diligent fiber in your being. Amen. Notice this. He says to all Christians, Matthew 6, 33, He said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In, in, in the previous verse to that, he talked about things that the Gentiles seek. Now he's talking about food and he's talking about raiment and he's talking about physical things. But one thing I found out in this world is the Gentiles, the, the heathens, are also on a hunt for happiness That's and right. for marriage right. and for a home. The Bible says that you are not deceitful the things that the world seeks. For your heavenly Father, listen to this principle now, for your heavenly Father knoweth, he says, that ye have need of all these things. Young man, Genesis said uh, that he knows that it is not good uh, for a man to be alone. Amen. So God knows what's not good in your life. He knows the need that you have. He knows how you're designed. And I've not met very many men who would be able to do like Dr. Ray was and stay, uh, stay uh, unmarried his entire life. I don't know anybody uh, personally who has that kind of fortitude and, and, and discipline in their life. Amen. And so therefore, if you know that you're not that kind of person, amen, 
God knows what you have need of. God knows before you even ask what you have need of. And this is talking about prayer for physical supply. But aren't you glad that we can take verses in the Word of God and see many different applications to them? This is one of them. God knows what your needs are. God knows what uh, what your uh, what your uh, standards are. Amen. And the Bible says here, but he said, but seek ye first, because God knows what you have need of. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you and that would include that spouse that you need if you need one. Amen. Yes, sir. God promised all of these things will be added unto you if you'll seek me first. Right. I, have, I, I, I believe that as I, and I've, I've preached a number of youth meetings, been around numbers of young people and on top of all of that it's not been very far removed uh, since I was in high school and starting out my college years and all of that. Not, I'm 25, so not too far removed. Amen. I graduated seven years ago. So that's not too far for some of you. Amen. From high school. Amen. 2011. And uh, so I know y'all looking at me like I'm a baby this morning. <laughs> Here's the point I'm making this morning. I'm not too far removed for young people from where you sit this Amen. morning. I know what you're going through. I know where you've been. And uh, I thank God that three years after I graduated high school, God gave me my spouse. And we've been together, been married for four years, been together, I think, for five. And uh, I thank God for that. But here's the, here's the thing, because... We both decided we were going to seek God first. Right. My wife, if she wasn't taking care of our baby this morning, he's not feeling well, y'all pray for him at the house. If she wasn't taking care of him this morning, she'd be the first to tell you that she had determined. And, and I've told y'all this before, uh, but there was another young man that she was interested in before me. And the funny thing is, y'all have met him. He is saying in this pulpit, and I asked him to do so. We have a great relationship. We've preached meetings together. The only two men she's ever been interested in her life, both of them are gospel preachers. Amen. And I thank God that I, I, I got her and he didn't. Amen. But, uh, amen. And the great thing about it is, is me and him can talk about it today. Yes. Yes. Amen. And he's not embarrassed by it. Amen. He, he, in his mind, if he would have got her, he would have got a great girl. And he was happy for me because he was spiritual enough to know she's not God's will for me, but she is God's will for him. And, she ha and he has seen God use that for his glory. And been, he's, been, he's been witness to what God's will can do in a couple. Amen. And he knows if he would have got involved, it would have messed things up and he would have messed up her life and messed up his life. Amen. Uh, but so, y'all's met him, and he's a great guy, but she decided, she said, God put it in my heart, told me one day in church that for me to no, for me to no longer, and she, she never dated him, they never had a relationship in her heart, she just liked him. And he knew it, and he told her, if it's God's will, he said, I'll pray about it. If it's God's will, then he'll make it happen. Amen. Amen. And so she said, you know what? God put it in my heart. Even though he had said that, even though he said, I'll pray, God told her, I believe it was a Wednesday night, it's not, that's not for you. I've got something else for you. And she decided, you know what, Lord? I'm not even going to look. You just tell me when it's time. 
So without her even hearing the principles I'm preaching to you, God put it on her heart to put it into practice. I heard many of these truths and read these truths. And so I put them into practice. And I didn't know we were putting them into practice almost at the same time. And because we both said, I'm, I said, I'm going to preach. I'm going to do my nursing home ministry. I'm going to serve my pastor in my local church. She said, I'm going to play the piano. I'm going to sing. I'm going to serve my pastor in my local church. And we're going to do what God had us to do individually. God knew what needs we had. God knew the desires of our heart. And God knew because we set Him first. The Bible says here that all of these things shall be added unto you. And I'll be honest with you, young people. And I know y'all adults, y'all look at me, y'all listen to me, but I'm trying to help them this morning with this because these are what I think are the big truths that I'm trying to get across. I believe that God knows what we want. If you like, I know I know what time it's getting to. So, amen. I'm going to be preaching here in just a minute. So, if I preach a little bit longer here, maybe I'll cut it short a little bit. Amen. Y'all know better. Y'all were here Wednesday night. Y'all know better. Amen. Y'all were here Wednesday night. I'll probably have four or five men getting in their watch uh, as I start to preach. Amen. I preached the longest sermon I've ever preached here, and it was because I didn't have my phone to have my timer on. Amen. So, I wasn't being paying attention. Amen. So, y'all, I don't need your watches this morning. I've got my phone on to make sure it's with you this morning. Amen. Amen. I don't need my, my pulpit littered with jewelry this morning. Amen. Every man in here getting a watch. Amen. But here, here, here's, what I, here's what I want you to see this morning. If you'll delight yourself in Him, God knows what you want. If you are a young man and you're not into blondes, but you like brunettes like me, that's what I pray for. You say, brother, that's not spiritual. It may not be spiritual, but God answered it. Right. Amen. Would you rather be super spiritual or rather God answer your prayer? <laughs> here's, here's how I know. Here's how I know. You may say, preacher, that's not spiritual and that doesn't matter to God. God created me. And God created her for me. That's right. Every when I did what was part of the dating game and I shouldn't have been. And I've told y'all that, and I see these principles now. After all of that heartache, every girl I dated was a blonde. I'm a blonde, a brunette. Every girl I dated was. Because that was in me. Guess what? When God formed my heart, He put that in me. That's a physical desire of mine. And by the way, I found the one that I wanted. Don't think any brunettes in here that I'm looking your way today, alright? God gave me what I wanted. Amen. Y'all know what I mean. Amen. God's will does not mean that you're going to get some ugly woman, amen, that looks like she's honest. Okay? I'm just being plain with you this morning. So many people today think, well, if, I'm getting, if, if I want a girl that's attractive, I have to find someone out in the world that's going to be attractive and I'll have to deal, you know, if I want to go God's way, I'm going to have to deal with, you know, some, some Amish person that doesn't wear makeup and don't drink coffee and you know, all this stuff. Amen. Y'all know, know the super spiritual Pharisee types. Amen. But that's not God's way. God, I think my wife is one of the most beautiful women God ever created. I think my wife is the most beautiful woman God ever created. And I didn't, have, I didn't have to find somebody who looked like a lunch lady to find God's will in my life. Amen. Amen. If you're a lunch lady in here, you all forget me. You know what I'm talking about. Older ladies, hair and that. Amen. All of that. Amen. Look like she still got sleep in her eyes. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. 
But God knows. God knows the desires of your heart. Because God handcrafted them and put them in you. And if you will delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible promises, I will give thee the desires of thy heart. Amen. You follow God. You seek Him first. You go to sleep. You give your life to sanctification and, and using your vessel, making your vessel meet for the Master's use, fitting for the Lord to use you. If you stop seeking, you won't have to go out to the world to find someone that you're being attracted to. And probably the reason why you think that is because they're showing off too much and it's catching your eye, and that's not the person for you anyway. You want someone that God has handcrafted for you, knowing your desires, knowing your personality. When I prayed for my wife, I heard a preacher, and the sad thing is the preacher that I heard this from is no longer in the ministry and uh, actually no longer even living today because of sin. The preacher I heard this from was one of my dear friends who just got married, married a godly woman. If I told you her daddy's name, many of you in here would know who he is. Great, great evangelist. Preaches many meetings. Great pastor. He married one of the godliest women in America. And today that's been split up and there's a, there's a lot of issues there. But he told me this. He said, when I, he said, when I prayed for my wife and he listed some things that he prayed for. And by faith, I said, well, if God will do it for him, God can do it for me. Sure. And God gave me everything to the letter that I prayed for. I prayed for a, I prayed for a lady that my, my, I wanted somebody shorter than me, and I knew what I wanted. <laughs> Amen. I wanted a brunette. I wanted her to be five foot. I wanted her to be significantly shorter than me. Don't ask me why. It's just something that I wanted. My wife today is five foot nothing. <laughs> I, in my heart, I'm five foot. I'm thinking five foot something on the lower end. God, you said five foot. God gave me five foot zero. A brunette, natural brunette, five foot zero. Okay. I prayed. Now this is the more spiritual end. That that that's the physical end. I was okay with that being altered a little bit. God gave me. Thank God. God gave me exactly what I was wanting because He loves me. Amen. And he knows what I want. Thank God for the little things. Amen. Yes, I wanted a girl. I prayed for this. I wanted a girl that played piano and sang. God gave me that. She plays our piano today. Yes. Amen. And sang, sang, I think, Wednesday or Sunday night or something. I asked God to give me a woman who was a part of an independent King James only Bible-believing yes. Baptist church. I asked God to I asked God to give me a woman who loved her preacher, yeah. would be willing to follow me in the ministry anywhere yeah. that God called. I told you all about that first phone conversation. I, list, I listed things uh, on that first phone conversation. I said, if God called us to preach in the jungles of Africa, would you go? Without hesitation, she said yes. I said, I named off different places. If God said here, if God said here, yes to everyone. And then I made this statement, and I know God has a sense of humor. I made this statement. I said, and if God forbid, God called us to pastor up north, would you go? Brother Thompson, I pastored for six months in Maryland. And she God has a sense of humor. God will give you what you want. One of, the, one of the things that amazed me most, and I know I've already hit overtime and then some, and we'll give you a few minutes of a break before we get started. It's okay if we get started a little bit late this morning. That's all right, as long as God helps us today. Amen. Let's God let God have His way. 
But uh, one of the one of the things that I pray for, and this just amazed me how God answers our prayers and how God will give you the desires of your heart, young people. One of the I wanted to be so specific that when God answered it, I would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had done it. One of the things I prayed for was that she would have a pastor that I loved and respected. I prayed that my wife would have a pastor that I already knew, already loved, and already respected. Brother Thompson, you know how how me and my wife met. She was thirteen. I was sixteen. We didn't start. We didn't. We didn't have a relationship looking toward marriage until much later. I was already twenty at the time, and she was eighteen. But I was. She was six. Thirteen. I was sixteen. We met in the parking lot of her home church. Her pastor, Dr. Stan Wardlaw, whose name's on my ordination in my office, was my friend, and I went to hear, hear him preach in my hometown. 45 minutes away from where she lived and I went to hear him preach and he said, Brother Josh, I'm taking a group from my church up to Camp Zion in Myrtle, Mississippi where Dr. Ray had his camp meeting. Would you and, would you and your friend, I had a buddy with me in the meeting at the time, uh, a, a guy friend of mine, and he said, would you and your buddy like to go with us? And I said, sure. I don't have anything going on. I'm 16 years old. I'd love to go. I'd love to be part of it in a meeting like that. Never been in a camp meeting like that before. And I went, me and my wife met in the parking lot. The day we got married, my pastor and her pastor married us. Amen. And he is someone, I've had him preach, I've had my pastor and her pastor this year preaching revival meetings here in this church. And I met her because I knew him. God gave me the desires of my heart down with my news detail. You want to talk about faith? God does something for that for you. You'd be like Adam. This has to be her. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And that's what I want for your life. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.